0: Welcome back to another episode of Inside the Yale Admissions Office. My name is Hannah, and I'm a Yale Admissions Officer. And
1: I'm Mark, and I'm also a Yale Admissions Officer. And we're delighted to be joined by our friend and colleague, Maura, today.
2: And I'm a Yale Admissions Officer as well. You sure are. Thank you so much for
0: coming back to join us for our second Mythbusters Live virtual event. That's right.
1: We are back on Zoom. We are beaming into a few uh, hundred prospective students from all around the world. We were just getting to know them a little bit earlier. We advertise this event as a deadline edition Mm -hmm, event. mm -hmm. We are just a few days away from our early action deadline. And we know from experience that these can be kind of nerve-wracking for people who are working on their applications Mm -hmm. right now.
0: Yeah, so uh, we know we've got a loyal audience out there. And we wanted to give you all the chance to ask us some questions live, maybe before you even hit that submit button on the application.
1: Yep, just like last time our friend and colleague Corinne is working behind the scenes in Zoom land to use the Q&A feature. She's going to serve some questions for us to answer in the second half of the session but we want to kick things off with some of the excellent pre-submitted questions that um, our registrants submitted tonight.
0: Yeah, thank you so much for taking the time to do that. We got over 400 questions. Wow. Um, we pulled, we we combed through them. Actually, really, Mark combed through them. I can't take credit. <laughs> it was fun. Um, and he pulled out the ones that um, thought might provide the most insights, and uh, you know, might be helpful to the to the largest number of people.
1: All right. So this first set of questions completely understandable in part because this is something we have avoided talking about in the podcast. Like we I won't have. even try to sugarcoat and say, oh, we haven't gotten to this yet, or we haven't talked about it. Like you may have noticed. We're actively avoiding it. We-, <laughs> <laughs> we have not talked about standardized testing. Yes. And we know from being you know, out on the road and talking with folks who are visiting, there are lots and lots of questions about standardized testing. We haven't talked about it for a couple of reasons. Um, and the most important one is that it's been kind of a funky time mm-hmm. for standardized testing policy.
0: Yeah, yeah. Um, the pandemic sort of pushed us to go towards this test optional policy. We've extended it sort of year by year, but haven't set a you know full-time policy into the future. We don't really know what that future policy is going to be, and we haven't wanted to give you, you know, a whole lot of content about advice mm-hmm. that's going to be outdated soon
1: yes i mean we know that our podcast episodes have been you know listened to for multiple years so we don't want to sort of give advice that might not be relevant later let's say for the record this is being recorded in october Mm -hmm. of 2023 yes (laughs) so we're talking right now with students who are applying for admission in fall 2024 And for those students, we have said we are going to continue to be test optional. And what that means is that students can choose to submit scores from the SAT or the ACT, or they can not. Mm -hmm. Um, That's what test optional means uh, for for us right now. And what we're saying that we don't know about is essentially for students beyond that. So if you are a junior in high school or a sophomore, if you are someone who's thinking about Mm -hmm. applying as a transfer applicant later, we actually simply don't know what our testing policy is going to be for future years.
0: Right. Another reason we have avoided this is that we find that applicants tend to focus a little too much
2: Way on test too scores. Too yeah. much,
0: yeah, which mm-hmm. is totally understandable. Mm-hmm. Um, it's uh, it, it's a very measurable thing, so it makes sense that you want to focus on it and have very clear answers about it. But it's not our favorite thing to talk about. No, <laughs> <laughs> our jobs are much more interesting than you know just evaluating test scores. I feel like questions about standardized testing are often the things we get asked about the most, and mm-hmm. probably actually spend it's the thing on the application that we spend the least amount of time yes. on. Mm-hmm. Yeah.
1: Yeah, so Maura, why don't we um, actually frame this question to you? Because I know sure. you, like like uh, the two of us, have received this many times. Um, the $100,000 question of the last three years, Mora, should I submit my SAT or my ACT scores with my application? How do I know
2: whether I should submit them or not? Should you submit it? Do you want to submit it? <laughs> If you want to, if you're proud of your score, if you're like, sure, I want them to know about it, go for it. If not, don't submit it. We do not need it. We are test optional. And test optional means what? Test optional.
1: Yeah, so I liked actually someone the way that someone uh, framed this question. Uh, they said, "Just I heard a rumor," and I love things that start with "I heard a rumor." <laughs> yes, I always go so, oh, looking yeah. for those kinds of questions. Great <laughs> for the uh, episodes. You know, we are we're two days away from Halloween, so I was sort of like, "These are just like spooky spooky ghost stories," you mm, know, that are out there. Season. Like yeah. I heard a rumor, uh, so I heard a rumor. Someone said the test optional is a scam. It's just a scam and that it lowers your chances of being accepted uh so true true or false you know this this myth can we can we bust this myth guys
0: we can bust this myth yes this is false we are not in the business of scamming people so we are in the business of making an application to yale as accessible as possible to the folks that we want to see in our applicant pool so it's not you know Not submitting a test on its own is not going to lower your chance of being accepted. Mm -hmm. Um, Many people are admitted every year Mm -hmm.
2: without standardized testing. That's why I was going to say, ask the many, many first years and sophomores and juniors on our campus who applied and were admitted without testing. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Check our website
1: for more on this. We're here to tell you what we wrote right there is true. Um, yes, indeed, we've been avoiding it, but it's not because <laughs> you know it's filled with secrets or anything like that. Test optional means test optional. Mm-hmm. Yeah. All right. So, also understandably, we got a lot of questions about early action Mm -hmm. hannah and i did an episode all about early action about a year ago so things have not changed there that would be a good resource for you but let's just address you know a big question that's on people's minds about early action is does it help your chances and when particularly say like i've seen that the rate of admission is higher if you look at the early action pool than the regular decision pool, that must mean that it's easier to get in early right
0: no, no and no. So uh, at Yale, applying early does not help your chances. We review applications exactly the same way, whether you apply early action or regular decision. We're not you know, looking for different things during those rounds. We're not trying to necessarily admit a huge number of students through that early action round.
1: Right. And then I actually saw a question come in that says, well, does it hurt your chances? Because sometimes Mm -hmm. we explain that, you know, one of the reasons that that percentage is misleading is that, Mm -hmm. you know, a number of students who are recruited athletes Mm -hmm. um, are actually supported by coaches in the process and they apply through the early round. And so someone says, well, does it hurt your chances? And am I like, Mm -hmm. am I fishing in the wrong pond? If I put my application in early, is it just for a certain type of student and not for somebody else?
2: Yeah, I think early action is for any student who is ready to share their application on or before November 1. And that deadline's coming up very quickly, but it doesn't hurt your chances to apply early action. Make sure you're taking the time you need to put together an application that you feel represents you. But if you need that extra time, regular decisions right around the corner too
0: yeah, I would say there's no real like strategizing or Mm-mm. gaming the application rounds at Yale. sometimes there there's certainly strategies with other schools, mm-hmm. some schools particularly that do um, early decision rounds that are binding. But with us, submit your application when it's ready. That's going to be the best okay. way to
2: approach it. Great. And luckily, financial aid doesn't change early action versus regular decision, too. So,
0: And what about applying to other schools? Uh, if you apply early action to Yale, does someone want to just do the quick explanation of those rules?
2: Happy to.
1: And uh, <laughs> I have started just proactively giving an apology with this because it is super confusing yeah. and we didn't mm-hmm. do it to be confusing. But the rules with single choice or restrictive early action mm-hmm. at Yale are that if you are applying early to Yale, we're going to ask that you not apply early to any other private university So rolling admission, fine. Early at a public university, fine, whether that's in your state or out of state. Early at a university that's not in the United States, totally fine. And then the next sort of legalese definition in question is like, well, what constitutes an early program? Mm -hmm. So to go as deep in the weeds as you can get, we'll say an early program is one that's guaranteeing an admissions decision before January 5th first. Mm -hmm. So if it's an early action round two program, if Mm -hmm. it's an early decision round two program, if it's just early action, but they say we're going to release decisions on January 20th, totally fine to do along with Yale's early action program. But you want to pay attention and ask yourself, is this other program at a private university? And if I opt in for this admissions program, are they uh, saying we can get that admissions decision to you by December something. Mm-hmm. I'll just mention it is not a restriction on when you submit your application. Mm-hmm. So you can submit your regular decision applications to as many schools of whatever types that you want right now. It's just opting in for those early programs. Mm-hmm. You know, sometimes people ask this question about like, is it true that students who are deferred like have a worse chance of being admitted or a better chance of admission mm-hmm. admitted and like mm-hmm. what happens if I get deferred? What does that mean?
0: Yeah, it's, you know, it's. It's hard to give you a percentage or, or a chance, obviously, because we change the number of students that get deferred every year. It really depends on the strength of the pool. But in general, if you are deferred from early action, it means that we are still actively considering Mm -hmm. your application. It's a good thing. It means that we um, see strengths in your application. We would be excited to continue to consider you for Yale. And we just want to do that with sort of the benefit of the larger Mm -hmm. applicant pool.
2: And then those deferred students will get a final decision with the rest of the regular decision pool, because at that point, they are part of regular decision. Yeah,
1: Good way to put it. All right. So I like this next set of questions. This is the rumors set of rumors. questions. rumors. I really liked as I was scrolling through these, I just did it in Excel and I just sorted by response. since so I was alphabetical. And there were just a bunch that started with, is it true? That, <laughs> and I Oh, I like this one. I like this one. I like this one. So I pulled out a bunch of sort of is it true, uh, you know, kind of uh, questions in the rumor section. So we'll go through these quickly. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, rumor number one. Are mm-hmm. there quotas? in the admissions process, like certain box that have to be ticked and, and such for any particular type of student in any class that we're admitting?
2: Nope. Nope. Okay. So <laughs> easy. To the point. Yeah. Again, <laughs> our job wouldn't be very interesting if it was just no. a
1: matter of filling up quotas yeah. of different types of things. Yeah. Okay. Another one. Is the rumor true that when admissions officers don't have enough time to review all early applications, they just defer them?
0: No, Not true. <laughs> oh we, I'm. I'm honestly offended
2: by this question. We are
0: reading all those applications by the deadline. By the no deadline, no matter what it takes. It
2: might <laughs> be Monday through Friday. It might be Saturday or Sunday. It might be evenings. But we're trying to get to know you all. We're gonna get them read. Yeah, yeah. Yep.
0: Someone else asked, is there such a thing as blacklists? Can your high school be blacklisted mm-hmm. from Yale? No. 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 And
1: I kind oh. of love to imagine what people might think would offend us, right? Did right? They think like, oh, we admitted someone and they turned us down last mm. year dun, and so dun, dun. we're blacklisted or somebody mm-hmm. violated our early right. policy.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: No, each applicant is an individual, and we consider you as such regardless of anything that may have happened before at your school.
1: Yeah, we wouldn't hold that against you. I will say some of these rumors, and this one in particular, they've been around for a long time. They're like, they're good ghost stories uh, (laughs) that they tell in school hallways. But um, no, no blacklist at all. Mm
0: -hmm. Yeah. Along those lines, is it true that you accept only one person per high school in the whole nation
2: at Yale? Nope. That's not true either. <laughs> we accept who we want to accept. Sometimes, unfortunately, that might be zero students from right. a school. Yeah. Sometimes it might be one or two or more. We admit who we want.
1: Right. And it's not the case that we pit students against each right. other. So you shouldn't be thinking like, oh, well, Shelly's applying right. early, and so I have to apply early because she's going to mm-hmm. take the spot.
0: if mm-hmm. she. Mm-hmm. No, no. Not no, not at all. I, I feel like stuff. that is a is the rumor that uh, you know Gossip Girl and Gilmore mm. Girls and all of those yes. things have all the um, helped push along, like oh, the Yale spot. It was spot my is going spot. Yeah. It yeah. was yeah. Right. <laughs> my spot. It's not.
2: A, no.
1: <laughs> okay. Is it true that admissions officers Google applicants and search through their social media?
2: With what time? No. Yeah. I know. That we're sounds reading really luxurious. your apps. Yeah. I know. To have that time, we're reading your essays. We're reading what's in your application, but we don't have time for that. That's right. We, your
0: application is the representation of you that we mm-hmm. see. You know, that's what you should definitely be focusing on. Sometimes, you know, for whatever reason, like we are sent outside bits of information that you might find on Google or in social media. Mm-hmm. But it's not something we're actively looking for mm-hmm. in the application right. process.
1: Along those lines, if you draw our attention to something in your application make sure that it's yeah. something that you want us to see yes. i have yes. had <laughs> the instances where students have said you should see this uh you know instagram account that i'm very proud of and yeah. they should not have been proud of it right oh, it right did no. not help their application
0: right yeah. and don't follow your admissions officer on instagram no <laughs> can't, can't but do follow, that follow
1: yale admissions <laughs> though follow yale admissions yeah. yeah um i like this one uh too is it better to turn in an application earlier meaning uh, like presumably like days or weeks mm-hmm. before the deadline could it change you know your application status or how it's read
0: no no not at all we get applications weeks before the deadlines we get applications the second before the deadline. We mm-hmm. get applications minutes after the deadline has passed, right. and they are all reviewed. We get way. the
2: question, what time zone is it? When's the deadline? Mm. Yeah, there's
0: a little bit of a grace period built in just mm-hmm. because of the t- tricky time zone issues and things like right. that. But submit by the deadline, that's mm-hmm. the most important thing.
1: Right. And it's it, once your application's in, it's going to get sort of thrown into a big, complicated hopper in terms of the order that it's read and who's right. going to read it and right. when and all of that. We will find ourselves reading applications in March that were submitted in September. Right. Yeah. Right. Um, um, yep. And oh, we'll yeah. find ourselves mm-hmm. reading applications that were submitted hours earlier that have just bumped up to the top of our queue for just the assignment reasons in our in mm-hmm. in our in our process. Okay, so next set of questions were sort of about adding things to an application. Mm-hmm. Um, and someone asked, would including a link to my portfolio in my additional information section hurt me in any way? What about including additional details about my extracurricular activities if there are things that don't fit in that activities section?
2: Sometimes students will upload, whether a resume or upload an update with additional activities more isn't necessarily better I think there's a mm-hmm. rumor out there that oh well I have to let them know more it's not necessarily better in terms of a link to your portfolio uh, that's another one of those things that I'm probably not cutting and pasting it from the application into Google mm-hmm. yeah
0: I would say anything that's added in as a link that mm-hmm. your your admissions reader needs to like go outside of your application to look at, There's just not a guarantee that we're going Mm -hmm. to do that. Maybe we will if you Mm -hmm. write something interesting about it and we say, hey, I should check that out. But uh, in general, we want you to stick sort of within the confines Mm -hmm. of the application. And we think really hard about what we ask you on the application. Mm Because that is the information that we find most helpful mm-hmm. in making our decisions, so I would stick with mm-hmm. the room that is a 100%. lot of two percent.
1: Yeah, and there was a question here about a music resume specifically that I wanted to answer, just because hmm. people think about additions to applications usually or oftentimes thinking about supplementary materials. And mm-hmm. we did an episode about supplementary materials with our friend and colleague John, mm-hmm. um, so you can learn sort of what uh, what that process looks like and sort of the question of should I submit an arts or music portfolio. But the question of a resume is actually something that I wanted to mention that if you do that, you will be invited to fill out an additional questionnaire that's right. going to give us mm-hmm. some insights about your, your practice, essentially mm-hmm. your, your art or your music or your dance for that kind of thing. So again, we know it might be a little bit uh, redundant and frustrating that you sort of have to submit the same information in different formats. But we want to get it sort of consistently from all of our applicants in one particular way.
0: Do we have any questions about essays? Oh, we no, yeah. have a lot. <laughs> of essay questions. Understandably, a love. lot of folks
1: are thinking about essays right, right now. All right, let's dive into <laughs>
0: those. All right, the first question is, how do you take humor in essays? Do you <laughs> like it? Would you advise against it? Because not everyone loves humor, and not everyone might have the same sense of humor.
1: I think the best line on this is that if you are funny, be funny. Yes. If you're not funny, this is not Don't the place funny. to mm-hmm. try yeah. to be funny and start uh, yeah. you know, right now. So you do you. There are fortunately lots of different ways to uh, express yourself in the application. You're not just gonna have one essay. Mm-hmm. I would mm-hmm. say if just that's the way that you uh, your affect—if that's how you go through the world—if that's how you like to think of things—if you think, you know, to know me, I want to, you know, shine some humor on it. I've had lots of great experiences in committee where someone has really nailed a joke <laughs> yeah. and a presentation yes. very, very well. Yeah. There are also instances where we are very compelled by students for whom that's just—that's not their story. That's not mm-hmm. where their strengths lie, and it right. wouldn't make sense for them.
0: Right. And sometimes we get those essays that you know induce a little eye roll. Like, okay, the student tried to be funny, mm-hmm. but it yeah. didn't quite land doesn't mean they're not getting into Yale. We have other things to look at in the application.
2: Occasionally, there are those essays where the person focuses so much on being funny that we don't learn much about them. So Mm -hmm. I think that's the most important thing, that we're still learning more about you in the essay, whether it's funny, serious, thoughtful, you do you.
0: Yeah, don't let your jokes come at the expense of actual reflection in the essay. Yeah.
1: Okay. so this next one I liked, um, does the wording of the essays matter that much? Like, do flowery essays uh, do better in your process than blunt ones?
0: Again, the answer is kind of you do you. Mm -hmm. Your most successful essay is going to be in your authentic voice. Mm -hmm. If that is more sort of flowery writing, if that comes naturally to you, then that's fine. Um, if you're a little bit more straightforward, uh, that's okay too. We're gonna know if you're sort of putting on airs in the application, mm-hmm. or mm-hmm. if the writing sort of comes naturally to you. Mm-hmm. When you read as many essays as we do, it's just easy for us to tell. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah.
1: The only thing I would point you to here is that economy is your friend. These are mm-hmm. short yes. pieces of writing, and I have certainly found myself reading applications that are a little bit too flowery, or just simply use too many words to say something that could be said with fewer. Right. And I mm-hmm. thought, oh, if you had, you could have cut down each one of these sentences by 50% or so and had more room to maybe get to the kind yes. of insight and reflection that I would have liked to see and just sort of like oh they ran out of they ran out of space there.
2: Mhm. Clear and concise. Yep. We love it. Use
0: the space well, for sure. How does the admissions team feel about acronyms, contractions, and other less formal language being used on application questions?
2: I think as long as we understand what you're saying, that's one thing about acronyms, something that might seem completely obvious to you and your classmates we're not in your high school so we may not know what that acronym means but contractions we see it less formal language keep in mind that it is a college application though so if you're putting lol everywhere we, we'll know what that means we do yeah. know what that means but we know what it means but we right. might
0: question if it's right. a good use <laughs> of space or appropriate. Appropriate. Right. correct. Yeah. yeah
2: good point
1: yeah. all right so this last question the section was just simply about sort of the short takes and the yale specific questions in particular and sort of wondering like how do we best show ourselves off in this space and sort of if you're thinking about these yale specific questions which i imagine a lot of our listeners today are sort of in that section they sort of got their common app ready to go and now they're Mm. in the yale specific questions what should their goals be
0: yeah i think the reason we like those questions and we like reading them is the the longer essays i think there's more time and room for sort of massaging and rewriting and that sort of thing. And these shorter essays, again, it's that kind of economy question. There's no room for you to um, be, you know, using big words or complicated sentence structure or anything like that. Mm-hmm. It's like they're really kind of get to the point type questions mm-hmm. where um, we're just looking for you know a, a, an extra chance to get to know your personality a little bit more to get to know your voice. So again, the, the response here is like you do you. when you read those questions, what do you want your admissions officer to know about you and your personality that's maybe not mm-hmm. coming through in the rest of the application?
2: And we've heard from students that they really like the short takes, the opportunity Mm -hmm. to really think about some of those um, answers. I know I sometimes have my post-its next to me, and I might see a book recommendation or an idea that I write down and think, oh, I need to look this up later on. That sounds really interesting.
1: And I like to use the phrase kind of connect the dots.
0: Mm
2: -hmm. I think Mm -hmm.
1: you should think about the sort of primary part of your application, if you're Mm in the common application, the coalition application, as just sort of your way to show any college you're applying to, Here's why I'm going to be a great college applicant. Mm -hmm. Here's what I've spent my time doing. Here's how I think about something that's important to me. Here's the important stuff you need to know about me. And then those Yale-specific questions are saying, hey, Yale in particular, Mm -hmm. here's why I think I would be a great fit for your school specifically, Mm -hmm. and kind of how I want to help you connect the dots. To me, kind of the same way that I connected the dots between my interests and your school, like how you caught my eye. That's why we ask you what led you to apply to Yale Mm -hmm. and these kinds of things. So connect the dots. Great call. All right, next set of questions. Mhm. These are just sort of other concerns questions, this is sort of my miscellaneous bucket that mm-hmm. I said, "Oh, these are good ones because around the deadline we get a lot of questions about mm-hmm. this." So, right. what if? What if? What if? Mm-hmm. What if a counselor makes a mistake on something like my transcript or letter of recommendation, how does this affect the review? What should I do if something like that happens?
0: We see this all the time. Um, we're often getting emails from counselors saying, oh, let me just you know, add something that I missed on this letter. Mm-hmm. Or um, we're getting optional reports submitted to update transcripts. So it's very common. Um, mm-hmm. We have a mechanism to review new application materials even a- after we're done sort of, with the first review of a file. So we catch those things as they come in.
2: Mm-hmm. And counselors are human, just yes. like the teachers writing the recommendation letter. So- like any human mistakes happen it mm. won't negatively affect a student
0: another question is what are the most common mistakes or misconceptions that applicants make in their college applications and how can they be avoided
1: yeah i th- i was thinking about this one and i want to highlight just the idea it's, it's kind of a paradigm shift thing and I, and I find that it's when applicants go into the application assuming this sort of thing it sends them astray mm. and this thing is students thinking that they have to have their whole college career and their whole life Mm -hmm. sketched out Mm -hmm. and that the application should be this sort of avenue for telling us what a fabulously successful person they're going to be and how they have everything planned out for Mm -hmm. them and that kind of person is simply not very appealing to our kind of higher education institution that's doing mm. a liberal arts program where students are sort of expected to be mm-hmm. experiencing unexpected things. <laughs> right. Right. Much right. more interesting to us as someone who has some ideas, but is really open-minded, who wants to see things intersect and collide, and kind of doesn't have it all figured out, and kind of recognizes, wow, the world is a very interesting, dynamic, mm-hmm. and complex place. Yeah, you know, I can see lots of different ways for me to engage in the world. And what we'll be excited about a place like Yale is that I can try a bunch of new things and go in different mm-hmm. that doesn't mean that you can't say I've got a goal and I want to pursue it that's Mm -hmm. great as well but if all we're getting is just this is my vector for success in life we say good for you but that didn't really help you stand out in our process at all. so that's that's what I would say like the biggest misperception is that you've Mm -hmm. got to like brag on all the great things you're going to do in life Mm -hmm. as opposed to telling us about who you are and sort of showing Mm -hmm. us that you're open to things being unexpected in the in the near and uh, far future
2: Mm -hmm. yeah all said I think that goes to the whole common mistake that I need to write what colleges want to hear and not what I want to share with colleges and that's the thing about our essays our short takes this is an opportunity for you to decide what's important enough for the school to know about me so Mm -hmm. really thinking about what you want to share with the school
1: all right here's a good one we get this one a lot are all parts of the application let's say the essay the activities list the supplemental questions your transcript are they given the same overall weight or is one thing more important than something
0: else? Mm. Uh, I feel like we get this question all the time. And it, mm-hmm. wouldn't it be so satisfying if we could say, 20% is your essays, mm-hmm. 30% mm-hmm. is your transcript? <laughs> it's not like that at all. They're all important, I'll say that. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, different students are going to stand out in our process for different reasons. So maybe you are standing out because of the essays that you write and what your teachers say about you. Maybe you're standing out because of your you know, excellent performance on your transcript and your extracurricular commitments. Some people will stand out for all of the above. Mm-hmm. Other people, you know, different parts of the application are going to kind of come to the forefront for us.
1: Yeah. So this next question, maybe we'll we'll combine these two things together, Mm -hmm. um, which is, you know, what's the first thing that admissions officers look for? And is there one thing that you would prioritize over other things? And I have to say the first place that my mind goes, Hannah, is this episode we did a little while ago. That's Mm -hmm. called, Should I Even Apply? (laughs) Yeah. I would would sort of say the the things that we highlighted there would kind of be the things that we look at first, because if you don't meet certain sort of Mm -hmm. necessary but not sufficient criteria Mm -hmm. it's going to be hard for you to move forward Mm -hmm. um so maybe we'll share a few of those bullets if we can remember what we uh (laughs) yeah i'm I'm
0: gonna i'm gonna guess one of the first things we said was just sort of academics in general so you know Mm -hmm. that your transcript is probably one of the very first things we're going to see in your application we want to see are you challenging yourself in your current environment are you doing well in those classes and you know what we're looking for there is is this student does a student have the tools to succeed mm-hmm. in an academically challenging environment like Yale?
1: Mm-hmm. Um, other things were things like a you know strong command of the English language. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah. Or yes. also things like yeah. being a, a positive and engaged community mm-hmm. member, mm-hmm. Uh, not right. lying, cheating, and stealing. Right. You know mm-hmm. these kinds of things. You know there I will mention there were a lot of questions submitted for this event that were sort of along the lines of like can a student with either blank gpa or blank test scores or something like that be admitted. Right. Mm-hmm. And you know, our answer to this is always like, of course, it's not that crazy of a leap of imagination, but we also want to be real with folks and say like there will be tens of thousands of students mm-hmm. applying mm-hmm. and any student that we admit, we sort of have to elevate over over others. And so mm-hmm. a student particularly who's not been academically successful and makes us concerned about their academic preparation to succeed in Yale classrooms is virtually going to have an impossible time, not just convincing us that they could do well here, but convincing us that it would make sense to admit them and not Mm -hmm. 50,000 or so other students as well.
2: We're an academic institution first and foremost that then just happens to have 500 student organizations and two thousand classes for students to explore. Yeah.
1: Those are some of the questions that we received in advance. Thank you all again for those. Uh, Corinne has been working tirelessly behind the scenes, and we're sort of popping open now these questions that she has flagged for us to answer. Here's one I'll uh, we'll start off with. So how do we do with numbers? So the question is, is, there a cap on the number of students who are admitted to the first-year class or maybe a range when admitting student? Like, how does, how does the math work out here?
0: Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. Okay, sure. So we have a certain number of beds at Yale College. Yes. And um, we seek to fill them, um, but uh, not you know, go over that number um, and not be wildly under it. So um, we have to work with a little bit of historical data to figure out exactly what number of admitted students will get us to as close as possible to that number of beds on campus, right? Mm-hmm. So we look at what we call our yield from previous years, how many students who are offered admission ultimately committed to come to Yale. And we use that kind of as a guide to uh, decide how many students we are admitting in each new year. Sometimes we wind up May 1st a little under-admitted, and then we get to go to the waitlist, mm-hmm. which is always really fun. We love. Mm-hmm. Yep. There's a little bit of math there. It's also a little bit of an art. It's also a little bit of just like checking the vibes. Like, mm-hmm. where are mm-hmm. we at the end of March in terms of the number of early action students who have committed at that point? and that sort of thing Mm
1: -hmm. yeah okay here's another good one how much does the order of activities in the activities list matter i don't think i've got this question before and i'm actually glad someone asked it
2: oh Mm -hmm. that's a good question the order doesn't matter as long as we hear what you're doing and what's been meaningful enough for you to spend your time outside of the classroom now that said i have been surprised at looking at a robust activities list And then seeing the activity that clearly means the most (laughs) to the student at the end. And I think to myself, wait, why why save the best for last, I guess? But the order doesn't, it's not that the order matters. It's not that we're looking for specific activities. But really, what was important enough for you to spend your time outside the classroom?
0: Yeah, and I think if you go back to that idea of, like, economy in the application, you have limited space in the application. Mm -hmm. So you can actually tell us some new information by how you choose to order your activities in that section. You can tell us what Mm -hmm. is most important to you and what you want sort of, like, at the top and at the forefront of our minds when we're understanding how you spend your time. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think
1: I can tell sometimes reading an application that a student has sort of tied themselves in knots trying to think about... (laughs) what importance means here and like what's important to them. And I bet it's this thing. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I would say when in doubt, just think about what do you spend the most time doing? Mm -hmm. Like Mm -hmm. I've, and part of the reason is that when we're reading an application, we're actually noting things Mm -hmm. in the activities list because we want to give it in shorthand to our committee, and our committee is going to be interested in essentially the biggest commitments first. Mm-hmm. And so as Moro was saying, it's sometimes funny when you start typing things that are all kind of small, and then you see like, oh no, there's this huge thing that the student does that 20 hours a week, 50 weeks, four a years. year. Right. Right oh, OK, yeah, I'm, I'm going to put that at the front
0: now. So like, <laughs> yeah.
1: if, if just for my sake and not having to copy and paste things into my little box when I'm typing, mm-hmm. that's what I'm going to say. Mm-hmm. Um, think about the things that the biggest time commitment up, up in the front.
0: While we're talking about order of things, I see a question that is, in what order are the parts of the application read?
1: Yeah, great question. We talked a little bit about this in our very first episode. Essentially, we're going to read them in an order that's sort of similar to what you will see if you're doing an application preview on the Common Application or the Coalition Application. Uh, we start with the student's transcript. That's that's the mm-hmm. sort of the beginning, and that has to be paired with what's called a school profile, some data about the the school. Um, we mentioned in our last podcast episode that we're also doing some more place-based data including more of that data in our process now, mm-hmm. so we're that's part of the sort of early review sort of get a sense of, okay, where's the student from, kind mm-hmm. of literally, mm-hmm. what's their academic preparation, and in what school context does that, uh, has that academic preparation happened. Mm-hmm. Then we're going to get that basic biographical information that you, that mm-hmm. you put together at the beginning of your common application, just as you're going to see it when you preview it. We'll see your activities list, mm-hmm. then we're going to dive into your first essay, and then the Yale specific questions. So you can kind of think about this as giving us an idea of academic preparation first, mm-hmm. okay, mm-hmm. then sort of generally this student as a college applicant, what they've done, how prepared they are, what they like to talk about, their insights in their essay. And then there's those Yale specific questions. So then mm-hmm. it's like, okay, you've got my attention, I'm intrigued, mm. you sound very interesting, connect the dots now to me in Yale specifically. Mm -hmm. And then we sort of say, okay, we've heard from the student. We've heard what they had to say and seen their choices about how they want to present themselves. Let's hear from their community. Mm -hmm. And then we dive into the two letters of recommendation from teachers and a counselor letter of recommendation. And that's really it. We're taking notes on all those things and then putting together sort of our summary sense of the file for the sake of someone who hasn't had a chance to read the whole file like mm-hmm. another piece of shorthand. The last piece is then an interview. This happens now after we've done our first read of an application and so we do a whole other process of called late docs, I don't know, maybe we should do a whole episode about late docs oh, no. sometime. Oh no, <laughs> <laughs> Um things hit the admissions office after your application has been submitted that might be in a big update that you submit it Mm -hmm. might be an evaluation for a music supplement or something like that Mm -hmm. it could also be an interview report with a member of our um, student interviewing team or a volunteer alum in your area and they would write a short report. And mm-hmm. so that would usually be the last thing. And we talked about on our interview episode that we kind of like these reports when they sort of resonate with the rest of the file. Right. Where mm-hmm. the notes that we've taken on you and our sort of, you know, remembrance of the file lines up with right. this report that just came in from a disinterested third party in the form of an interviewer who didn't have any of that other application material and That's they're right. describing the same person. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. oftentimes when we read that we'll write something just like interviewer meets the same person mm-hmm. or interview confirms sense we got from the rest of the mm-hmm. file
0: yeah that's how we do it that's mm-hmm. how it's done over
1: and over and over and again. again and, over and, again. and over. every day it's only it's just the March
0: <laughs> <laughs> all right here's another question from our live audience I'm submitting an art supplement and I know that Yale art professors review those supplements not admissions officers How does the analysis of an art portfolio by the professor add or contribute to the admissions officer's understanding of an applicant?
2: Yeah, good question. Great question. And I like to remind people that we're admitting to Yale College. We're not admitting to majors. So it's not a matter of, oh, if I'm submitting an art supplement, um, I'm definitely majoring in art. And that's a little different than Mm -hmm. some schools. But it's an additional piece of information to understand about the student. The art professors kind of weigh in, can let us know a little bit about like the quality of the art like is this someone that would contribute to the arts community here there are lots of students though who don't submit supplements and get very involved in the arts Mm -hmm. here on campus so it's not something that is required it's I recommend that students only submit these supplements if it's a big part of their lives and they they're really to be blunt they're really good at it. right if you're going to submit supplemental information you want things that will add positively to the application
1: one of the things that i like about sort of how this uh, set of questions that we give to faculty who review these are framed is that it's not designed as sort of an art contest right you right. know you shouldn't think about my submission to some contest and like is it going to be chosen as the winner mm-hmm. these are professors who work with students that's mm-hmm. what they do they teach them they work with them they develop right. them as artists yep. and so essentially they're giving us a sense of would i want to work with someone like this right. do i see capacity for them to grow would i would i be excited to work with this kind of artist mm-hmm. as opposed to just like wow the shading (laughs) in that still life was was divine Mm -hmm. right right Um, and and unfortunately we don't have to evaluate that that either right Um, thank goodness I see a great one in here that's about what we call the AA the academic appeal Mm question and this comes in the application the Yale specific questions after you select your majors and we frame this question now in terms of a topic or idea that excites you intellectually that's tied to one of these things and someone asked how broadly would you define topic or idea for that question? Does mm-hmm. it have to be like a specific seminar topic or could it be mm-hmm. something you know personal? This person said like uh, coin collecting is a sort of a personal intellectual pursuit for them.
0: Yeah, any of the above. Mm-hmm. If Topic or idea is deliberately vague, yes. I would say, mm-hmm. to yes. allow for all manner of responses. I think often we get a topic that has come up in the classroom for a student just because mm-hmm. that is where their intellectual engagement is is happening the most. And that's sort of close at hand while they're filling out the application. But many students will also choose to write about something that is outside of school, but mm-hmm. that intellectually has grabbed them
2: in some way. Mm-hmm. One of those things that maybe they read about, or they went down a, Wiki- a Wikipedia hole, and suddenly a few hours pass, and they just want to learn everything they can about black holes. Yeah. yeah. The number of Wikipedia holes I've gone down right. because of things that right. applicants have put in 100%. applications. percent. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> that's very cool. All right. I like this
1: question too. Um, could you guys go over exactly what you mean by reflect? And this is true. We use this word a lot. Mm. So we might as well dig mm-hmm. in a little bit. It says, you know, sorry if this is a silly question. I think a mm. lot of people would benefit from some clarification. Mm-hmm. So when we say reflect, what do we mean?
0: Yeah, that's a good question. Let's
2: reflect, Let's on, reflect on that on. for a moment. <laughs>
0: The first thing that comes to mind for me is that you're not just telling us a story mm-hmm. or like telling us about something from a distance or at yes. arm's length. That's something mm-hmm. I write a lot when I'm when I'm reading essays, I'll say, oh, "This essay was written too much at arm's length." Like they're telling me in a dispassionate way about something that happened. Mm-hmm. But they're not really telling me about how that affected them or why it's important to them or how it impacted them or how it made them Mm -hmm. think differently. So we're looking to get at that kind of like second layer of Mm -hmm. things.
2: And I think reflection, it takes time. And I don't just mean the time of, oh, I have to edit, like I edit an English paper. But really taking the time to think about, what am I sharing? Why am I sharing? Why is this important to me? Mm -hmm. And sometimes that reflection ends up taking you on other unexpected paths. So sometimes you think your essay might be about this, and it ends up being about something completely different. At, because as you were reflecting and thinking on it, you realized, oh, this is this is what I want to share. Mm-hmm.
0: All right, this one caught my eye. This is a question that we get a lot, and I think we could probably answer it pretty quickly. Is there a so-called twin policy in the admissions office? Oh. No, no. <laughs> <laughs> right. no,
1: you know, uh, we all know lots of twins. None of us are twins. Triplets. None of lots us are twins triplets. here. We've no, had no. multiples of all kinds. Mm-hmm. You know, twins that say, "Think of us together, we're a package deal." You know, twins who say, "I couldn't be more different mm-hmm. than this person that mm-hmm. I shared a womb with for nine mm-hmm. months." And when we're looking at college, is really a different thing. So we don't go in with an assumption, mm-hmm. right. one way or the other either yeah occasionally
2: you see the ones that say we're very similar and you read the application and think oh no you're very different (laughs) interesting okay yeah Hmm. right
1: okay do we weigh all supplemental essays the same or do the larger ones count for more
0: i think i would go back to my my answer about like weighing Mm -hmm. the different parts of the application there's no magic formula here Mm -hmm. again um something that you write might catch our eye in one essay or you know be more effective in one essay so then we're going to pay more attention to it than the other pieces of your application but it's not necessarily the case that like they have different mm-hmm. weights right yeah. Yeah.
1: Yeah. I want you to think about them all as different opportunities.
2: Mm-hmm. Everything yes. is
1: there. Yeah. Because it's an opportunity for you to show something about yourself. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And we intentionally give you sort of different sized spaces. Right. Because yes. different sort of modes can allow you to showcase different facets of yourself.
0: I think it's probably a good rule of thumb that like the amount of time and effort you put into the piece of writing should be proportionate to the length. Also, yeah, would you say that's fair? So like the longer essays, we're going to expect you know you've put more thought and time Mm -hmm. into them, whereas the shorter ones you can you can move through probably more quickly when you're Mm -hmm. putting together your
1: Mm -hmm.
2: application. The short takes, short short takes. takes. Yeah, Mm -hmm. yeah,
1: they're short. Give us a short take. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Um, This was a question that's sort of about um, high school context. So, you know, what happens if I'm attending a high school where there are not a lot of students who are applying to schools like Yale? I Mm -hmm. don't have people who are advising me about how to apply to schools like Yale. Can I stand out? Am I just going to be at a huge disadvantage? And sort of, should I even apply because, like, I'm just going to be up against these applicants from super well resourced environments?
2: Great question. So, I think. The first thing to know is that we always are going to consider a student within the context of their high school. Um, that's one of the reasons why we actually read by different regions. So mm-hmm. we're familiar with the high schools. If we need to get familiar with the high schools, we can. And we can give the admissions committee that context. Every high school is different. Even high schools in the same school district are very different in terms of what's available, what isn't available, um, in terms of if there are restrictions even on like what kind of rigor a student can take whether that's because the classes are available or even just the school says nope you can only take these two ap yeah. courses but for students saying you know i i don't have many people helping me with this. Hopefully, you're able to listen to, say, episodes of the Inside the Yale Admissions podcast, because we've heard from students that say, oh, this really helped me just with applying to college in general. But mm-hmm. again, yeah. do you? We are looking for students who are taking advantage of all that's available in their, in their school context, students yes. that have that curiosity, and that can be found anywhere.
1: Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Yeah, context matters mm-hmm. and we love the fact that we get to review applications from students in all kinds of different environments all yes. over the world. We do not view it in just sort of a simple sense of like, oh, who is in a, de- you know, has deficiencies or is exposed mm-hmm. to deficiencies. We want to get a sense of how has context shaped this person? How do they have something to add to our community and our context based on where they're coming from? But we have to understand what you're doing in that context, and you should never feel like you are lacking something um, because of where you've gone to high school. Mm-hmm. Truly, uh, mm-hmm. let your strengths be your strengths, and as more said, um, use the resources around you. One of the reasons we do this podcast is to reassure you that you aren't missing out on right. anything. This is our right. free public service to everybody.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Speaking of like reading by context, which we which we do. Uh, when organizing applications, does the admissions officer go by region or is it completely random? So when mm. you have a day of reading ahead of you, how do you kind of organize your day?
1: Yeah, well, so the applications themselves are organized by region. Mm-hmm. Some of these regions are larger or smaller, just depending on the number of applications mm-hmm. we get from that particular region. Yeah, I think I my experience is probably pretty typical, which is that I tend to read Um, a region consistently throughout the day. I don't like to, you know, Mm -hmm. sort of ping pong around too much. I have several States. In my territory, mm-hmm. I will probably, you know, if I'm reading applications from Louisiana for a day, it will probably be, you know, Louisiana week. Basically, yeah. <laughs> you know, we'll, right. we'll come up. I imagine, right. you know, Hannah, you probably have, you know, Kazakhstan days or you just oh, yeah. know that's what you're going to be doing. Mm-hmm. Totally. Um, it helps again, not because we're pitting students against each other, but just because, it's like, oh, yeah, this extracurricular activity mm-hmm. is common in this state. Or, mm-hmm. you know, this is the, the governor's page program or youth and legislature. Or, right. like, all these things that are sort of specific by state. State, it's actually helpful to sort of see them consistently.
2: Even just visually, if the transcript format is kind of similar, right? Yeah, I'm thinking about totally. Florida, for instance. Mm-hmm. Their transcripts in public schools look very similar across the state, or New York City um, public school transcripts. So that can be helpful. Yeah. I don't have multiple states. I have mm-hmm. two boroughs in New York City. <laughs> so there are some larger school groups, so sometimes I will just Read a school group, and mm-hmm. that again is more thinking about. Oh, okay, I've heard about this club often. Oh, I've heard, I've seen this class often. So kind of similar to you know thinking about a state. Yeah. Mm-hmm. All right.
1: I liked this question. Can family responsibilities be written as an extracurricular? It takes up a lot of time, and it's a primary thing we did for a lot of high school. And maybe it would be important to explain maybe lack of activities. This mm-hmm. person
0: asks. Mm-hmm yeah absolutely Please, so yes. you know we call it the like extracurricular activity list mm-hmm. um but really it is asking how you spend your time outside of the classroom mm-hmm. so that can be activities at school that could be you know paid work that you do mm-hmm. it can be family responsibilities that you have at home we're interested in in all of the above and I think um, family responsibilities can often add a lot of context for us to understand where you're coming from what your values are and how you're spending your time whether that's sort of you know, by your choice, the the things you you wish mm-hmm. to be doing, spending mm-hmm. your time, or mm-hmm. those responsibilities or duties that you have at home.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah. All right. So I, I like this one. This was good for a deadline edition. There's a question mm-hmm. about when the application deadline is November first.
0: Uh huh. What uh-huh.
1: does that mean? And they're saying like, let's be specific about hour and minute and and all yeah. of that. Okay. So yeah. Okay. November first. What does that mean? January second. Mm-hmm. What does that mean when we say a deadline? If mm-hmm. it
2: is not here. By exact, I'm kidding. No, Okay. (laughs) So let's talk about the deadline, because the deadline's the deadline. Keep in mind that we have to read all these applications. But first of all, you're all in so many different time zones. So we sometimes get the question, is it Eastern time zone? Is it, what? like, you should all submit by, say, 11.59 p.m. of that day within your own time zone. That said, I think I can say this, it's not that we're shutting anything down at 12.01 a.m. Yes, absolutely. Because especially this is a good reason why you shouldn't wait until the deadline because sometimes a lot of people using the Common App wait until the deadline and the Common App it's great. It's used by hundreds of schools. Sometimes it can be really hard to actually submit right at that deadline. Yes. So we'd like to have a little bit of wiggle room.
1: Yes. Um, all of us here, including Korean behind the scenes, have spent a lot of time <laughs> answering <laughs> panicked emails and answering phone yes. calls from folks who have said, ah, like I, was, I submitted at 11.59 right. and it was pinwheeling. And right. then it went through at 12.05. Mm-hmm. Am I doomed? And Moore mm. is exactly right. Just don't put yourself in that situation. Yeah. Like we're right. going to give you the right. technical answer, which is like that's not a big deal. Your right. application's in, it's what it. But like, think for a second. Do you want to be oh, in that stress. situation? Right. Wouldn't oh, it be it better? To get it out, even just an hour earlier, yeah, you mm-hmm. know. So we're here to tell you, don't sweat it. Um, we mm-hmm. leave the application open a little ways after the deadline because we know that life happens and power outages happen and mm-hmm. all these things happen. But just for personal advice for your own sake, yeah, just get it in a day mm-hmm. or a few hours <laughs> earlier or something like that. You're not going to help yourself by waiting to the last minute. And and a line I'm going to steal from another admissions officer is like, this is not an egg. It's not a fine wine. It's not going to get better with <laughs> time, right? Like you don't need to sit on this thing before it hatches. Mm-hmm. Like right, just just get it just out. Just hit there, that but button. Yeah, you're you know, going to be yeah. great. You, you have some Halloween
2: great. candy tomorrow. You're eating a Milky Way. What better time to hit submit just, if you're ready? Exactly.
1: And then you get to go in the next day and be done with your application. Feeling you good. Know? Just like,
0: feeling embrace, good.
1: Embrace. Look forward to that experience. Yeah.
0: And we get to read it. Yes. Yes, yeah. we
1: do. Our our work starts. Yeah. Okay, Um, I like this one. Yale receives thousands of applications. Do admissions officers actually read each one of them or is there some kind of filter? Shout out to uh, an episode we did
0: nine months ago about
1: reading Reloaded.
0: Right, exactly. We did a little update episode because we um, we did adjust our practices a little bit to account for the fact that our applications have increased from Thirty-five thousand to over fifty thousand in just a few short years, um, and we don't have an increased budget or an increased amount <laughs> yeah. of, amount of people to um, to read those files. So you should go back and listen to that episode if you want sort of the in-depth version. But the quick version is that AI has not taken our jobs yet. Nope. There is no computer program <laughs> no. that does us for this. Uh, nope. A human set of eyes looks at every single application and makes the decision of does this application, uh, you know, sort of need to be read in in you know full in its complete mm. form from from front to back or does this not meet those necessary criteria that we yeah. mentioned earlier
1: so I like this question how do you prepare for committee and what are some of the questions that are raised during committee by committee members
2: oh that's Ooh, such a good that question. is a good question and it's been a good couple of months but I can talk a little bit about how I prepare for a committee. So you've heard a few of us talk about late docs, and that's a big piece Mm -hmm. of it, of looking to see, has anything come in since I did my first read? Maybe it's an interview report. Maybe um, it's a teacher recommendation letter that hadn't come through already. So I make sure that new information is included. I look at all the applications in the area and I identify, okay, who are we most likely to talk about um, Mm -hmm. in our admissions committee? And I like to make sure I can anticipate what questions the committee might have. Because if we're presenting by uh, high school, presenting an area context, let me make sure I am able to give the committee that area context. So that might be something like, oh, you know what? Um, during COVID, these schools, a lot of them were closed and virtual until you know January 2021, being able to make sure that the committee knows that. So getting ready for committee takes a bit of time. Yeah. It's not yeah. a, hey, OK. I have an hour to do this. No, it can take it can take a day or two mm-hmm. to get ready for it. Mm-hmm. Yeah,
0: and sometimes it's it's really little things like just having like Google Maps at mm-hmm. the ready. Uh, yep. I spent a lot of time in an international committee where we we spend quite a bit of time just like throwing places up on the map and being like, let's ground ourselves to where exactly yes. we are in the world and like is this student actually close to the, to the capital city we know in each mm-hmm. country? Mm-hmm. Or um, is there kind of more to the story there? So mm-hmm. just sort of making sure you know your area and you're ready to answer questions.
1: There was a question that I just disappeared, but I, and I'll and i try to paraphrase it, that was about uh, name dropping professors <laughs> in the why Yale section. Is that, and I think specifically, said, is that cheesy, like sort of would you, would you recommend sort of calling out specific Yale professors when you're saying What, in particular, has led you to apply to Yale?
0: It's so funny that you asked this question, because we actually just had a staff conversation related to this. This is like, we're really taking you inside the (laughs) (laughs) right But we had a series of kind of like all staff gearing up for reading season training sessions. Um, and I don't remember what the context was, but the question came up of like, oh, when someone mentions a professor in yeah. their why Yale, do you write it down in your notes? Do you make a note mm-hmm. of it? And the answer is only if it is telling mm-hmm. you something new or interesting right. or important to the student. So mm-hmm. name dropping by itself uh, is not that interesting because anyone can sort of you know, Google a Yale department and right. figure out who the professors are. But if you've actually done some research and you have a sense of like the work this professor is doing and, and why you're specifically interested in it and you want to tell us that can tell us some new information about you mm-hmm. absolutely yeah
1: all right guys
2: wow Thank Time flies. to everyone
1: who spent an hour with us we had a lot of fun answering your questions both live and uh pre-submitted mm-hmm. maura thanks for coming back in the podcast
2: thanks for inviting me it was great great to see you all
1: Corinne, thanks for working tirelessly behind the scenes, for answering lots of questions and promoting several of them uh, up for us to answer yes, live. Thank
0: you, Corinne. You answered so many so questions. So many. Amazing. Amazing. Um,
1: again, thank you all. You are going to be in great shape. Like I think the last yeah. word here, we simply mm-hmm. want to say you're going to be great. That application deadline is going to come. You're going to put your best foot forward mm-hmm. and just relish the moment when you hit submit because it's over. It's mm-hmm. going to feel that so good. That work is done. It's- Our work's going to start. Mm-hmm. Uh, in addition to delivering some truth bombs at school tomorrow, the day after you hit submit, I just want you to hold your head high right. and be like, I got my application in. So look forward to that rather yeah. than you know dreading this. And um, and thank you guys for spending some time with us this evening. Uh, let's also say, of course, thanks to former admissions officer Andrew Brick Johnson, who composes our music. You should check him out at andrewbrickjohnson.com.
0: If you have comments or an idea for an episode, you can drop us a line at YaleAdmissionsPodcast@gmail.com. at gmail.com. And finally, remember that the views expressed in this podcast are ours and don't necessarily represent those of Yale University. Thanks for listening.